theatrical shenanigans with Katie Jones. Hello and welcome to another Sunday with Theatrical Shenanigans. We are four episodes in, so almost halfway through our first season, and I really hope you're enjoying us so far. Every fortnight, Theatrical Shenanigans produces an audio play by playwrights all over the world, and then I sit and have a chat about said play with a guest. This week, I have a guest who's based in my neck of the woods in Devon, and she is, well, she's involved in so many things in theatre, it's difficult to keep track. She is a fabulous actress, playwright and director. She is Katie Jones. Katie, it's so wonderful to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's brilliant to be here. (laughs) Um, So I always like to know how my guests got started. So what brought you into the world of theatre? Oh, my goodness. Um, Honestly, the first thing I remember doing when I was really, really, really tiny was uh, being at school and... um, they used to do uh, little shows for assemblies at school. One of my earliest memories of doing my own theatre was, um, I think I must have been, because of where I was living, I must have been about nine. Um, I used to band the children in the street together and I would make up plays um, <laughs> and songs and then I would direct them <laughs> and then we would tour them around hapless neighbours, um, basically knocking on their doors and saying, We've come to do a play for you, and uh, we must have had lovely neighbours because, um, yeah, we used to, yeah, we did quite well out of those actually. Mm. <laughs> so a very early start. Yes, because um, obviously you and I have been involved in uh, projects together. There was mm. a wonderful production of Sweeney Todd that was sadly shut down due to <laughs> lockdown, and then the two original plays were directed together last year, which is just wonderful. But you've been involved in how many? different productions now or is that too long a list oh god I don't I don't think I can tell you actually it would, it would, I no <laughs> idea I I've really not been involved in something in some capacity um so um yeah but the but the last ones uh, we did together were um absolutely brilliant but, but lockdown has um had such an effect on theatre it's so brilliant to see it waking up and really burgeoning now isn't it mm. Actually, funnily enough, um, I um, one of my uh, one a little job I have um, is um, I I will occasionally role play play for um, uh, the um, doctor service and for the NHS, and mm. um, it's amazing how often now they say, "Oh, and just add in a few COVID symptoms while you're there." <laughs> oh. It's such an issue. Yeah. yeah, that's the biggest thing that I found that we both found in lockdown was having the means to support other playwrights and other actors which is why we started absolutely I believe (laughs) absolutely yes yeah absolutely it's so important and it's such it's such you know therapy I mean people throughout um throughout lockdown have found I don't know ingenious ways to keep to keep doing stuff Mm. Um, and um, something else that um, I've been involved with as well is um, singing with different groups, initially online, but now um, I, I sing with all sorts of different groups. And like drama, mm. um, singing, any well, any drama or singing, it, it, it has such incredible health uh, benefits. You know, it improves uh, memory, it improves balance, it improves uh, confidence, and it brings up your endorphins. You know, it's just on every single level, this stuff is so good for you. But as well as obviously writing and performing and directing and producing and the many other items on the list that I could go on for days, 
You've also, <laughs> you've also written as well. Ah, I mean, then that really kind of um, grew from when I mean, that was a kind of community thing, which grew from um, putting in extra parts to accommodate the children that you've got. Or, <laughs> Person that you can't bear the thought of losing. I have I have written two or three pantomimes as well. Just um, just simply because in the end it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> um. So do you? I suppose this is a difficult question to ask. Do you have a favourite moment or production in your? I mean, career is the best phrase to use because obviously that's what it is. Huh? Oh gosh, what an interesting question. Um, <laughs> Gosh, um, no, <laughs> no, there's, um, it's so funny. I don't know about you, and I'd be really interested to know how how you approach this, Rachel. But hmm. I usually approach approach shows unless it's something I've really, really wanted to do and something I've absolutely ring fenced to do and wanted to do it in my life. Hmm. I usually show, um, and quite often hate it to begin <laughs> with until until I've really got into the text with people mm. um in terms of it acting is one thing but in terms of directing and certainly in terms of directing community you're you're working with people to really get a sense of what it is they're talking about a sense of what it is they're trying to get across as well as how they're going to get it across and seeing the light go on um mm. as people begin to stretch and learn and and do stuff with characters and play with them is is really rewarding um, but usually I hate it until until we've got to a certain point with it. And then I start to fall in love with it. Sweeney Todd, funnily enough, as a, as a more recent one, that one I loved from the beginning because it was gritty and dirty and frightening and scary. But the one thing that always sticks out for me, um, every time I'm either in a project with you or even having a conversation you, that comes across is the intense passion that you have about everything that you've done that I am aware of to say there's always even if it's like a passionate frustration the passion is still there which is so wonderful to see even after I say everything the theatre world has been through in lockdown it's just so lovely and refreshing to still see it's there and alive oh thank you well it is <laughs> the, I, as I said I think everybody benefits from theatre mm. um it's just dragging you out to go and watch something and to be entertained or whether it's something you get involved with there's never it's never time wasted whatever you do with it it's never time wasted and it's usually a wonderful learning and growing experience so yeah I, I am very passionate about it <laughs> so today we take another trip to the United States for a piece by American playwright Deborah Cole Deborah, I first met through my Sunday evening play reading group, the Literary and Discourse Society, but she was also a wonderful source of support on New Play Exchange, which for those of you who don't know, is a database where playwrights can upload their work for recommendations and requests for rights. It's a wonderful resource and carries a database of thousands of plays from playwrights all over the world. Going back to Deborah, though, she's an award-winning Kansas-based playwright with a collection of 84 plays of all lengths and for all ages. Deborah is also a director and theatre rights arts educator with a degree in journalism, education and art history. Blimey, that's a mouthful. Her list of success is as long as your arm, but quite rightly deserved. She's written a wonderful varied body of work from gut-busting comedy to heart-wrenching tenderness. But for the play this week, she's written a wonderfully poignant piece relating to the situation in the United States at the moment. The play is called Stalk Patrol and is set in the not-so-distant future following the events of Roe vs Wade, when couple Ashley and Brad get a visit from an agent of the Stalk Patrol. 
Theatrical Shenanigans presents Stalk Patrol by Deborah Cole. I'm an agent from the Stock Patrol, and I believe you are Ashley Clark, wife of Brad Clark? I am. Excellent. I love when our files are correct. How can I help you? Help me? Oh, no. I'm here to help you. I have three children in my van ready to be housed by you. I'm sorry? Three children in need. As you know, with recent elections and Supreme Court decisions... We have a surplus of unhoused children, and you have been selected as one of our God-fearing families ready to give love. Give love? I don't understand. I get it. This is new. But we are thrilled here at the stock department to find such a dedicated and financially stable family, such as yourselves, to help give our children such a beautiful and much-needed new home. Financially stable? We're not financially stable. We live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. We just took a loan for the kitchen remodel. But you make it work. What a gift it is to be living as you do. We thank you for your interest in helping these children. I think there's some sort of miscommunication. We didn't sign up for any additional children. We have two of our own, Addie and Felix. To clarify... It says here you voted for a ban on all abortion in our state. Congratulations. You were successful. It was close, but your dedication to life and valuing them both made all the difference. It shows here that you had a yard sign. Correct. There are so many families who want children and cannot have them. There is no reason to kill an innocent baby. And while we can't ourselves take them in, surely there are others who have such a great need. They would be so blessed to have these children. Excellent. We completely agree here at the stock agency. We certainly understand if you can't house these children yourselves, we will just require a $70,000 fee per child, which is the domestic adoption rate per child in the United States for a private adoption. The families in need thank you in advance. Will that be cash or charge? We also take PayPal, Venmo, or Apple Pay. What is this? The Stork Agency, the group that backed the last election. Aha! We totally support the Stork Agency. How can we help? This agent says we're to house three children in need or pay a fee to help them be adopted. Okay. Uh, Surely there's some in-between here. As you know, we truly value every life in this household, but we can't adopt or or pay a fee at this time. My bonus last year barely covered private school fees. Well, in that case, foster care is an option. According to our records, it looks like you have qualified to be a way station based on your values and commitment to life. Way station? 
That sounds better. What does that look like for us? Actually, it's quite simple. You would take all the responsibility of housing, clothing, feeding, and caring for these three children, with the hopes that someday they will be housed by a God-loving family that will adopt them. Of course, we will offer a small stipend for your efforts. That doesn't sound like less responsibility. Oh, it isn't. It's just a shorter possible solution. Adopting is through 18 years of life, while fostering could only be five to ten years. This is just too much for us right now. Surely you understand. This doesn't mean we don't support the current ban. It just means this situation doesn't work for us. We're happy to post about your organization on social media to garner more support or give a small donation if that helps. What is it about fostering these children that worries you? Well, to be honest, we have heard of difficult issues that come with foster children. Yes. These children often come with difficulties based on their previous lives. But now that adoption and foster care is required by law, we ask our Christian parents to do their best in their tough situations. Our best? But this isn't fair. We shouldn't be required to do anything. Between you and I, I agree with you. But once it was required that a woman was forced to bear a child she didn't want... Someone had to step up to take on that responsibility. And those who voted for the ban were the obvious and godly choice. Bless you both. But we don't want more children. We get it. Neither did these women. We're just so grateful that you made choices for them. But we have two amazing kids. They take all of our energy and all of our time and money. We can't take on someone else's mistakes. Okay. Let me make sure I have this down correctly. You don't want to be forced into having children in your home that you don't want or aren't able to care for. Exactly. I'm so glad you understand. I'm not supposed to share this, but there is a hidden clause that takes you out of the responsibility. But very few people choose the option. Anything. We just can't do this. You may elect to send these children to our recycling center. Recycling center? What happens there? To be frank, they are eliminated. But once that occurs, you no longer are responsible. Is our decision made public? You can't be thinking like this, Brad. They're God's children. I don't see another option. While we have made good, godly decisions our entire life, we can't be expected to repair the poor choices others have made. We will be risking everything we have worked for. To clarify, I must tell you that these three children were born to loving, Christian homes, but each of their births killed their mothers. It is sad, but it happens. Tubular pregnancies have really put a strain on our system. And as you know, fathers cannot raise children alone. So, here they are. What did their mothers look like? Don't, Ashley. I need to know. It helps me decide what to do here. Look like? What do you mean? You know what she means. Well, they look like our children. Oh, you mean white? Yes. I I don't mean to sound crass, but it matters to us. It matters to our neighbors. We would hate for these children to feel... You know, different. It wouldn't be fair to them. Oh, no. They come from homes in the city, 
miles from here. Two are Hispanic and one African-American. As you may know, white families in crisis are able to travel to resources that other communities have no access to. It's not fair, but nothing about this new law is fair if we're honest. Oh, thank you for your frankness. Is there a cost to make this decision? I mean, do we pay for the recycling? Brad! It's another data point, Ashley. Is there cost to us? Oh, no, sir. Your property tax dollars cover recycling in your neighborhood. It is one of the benefits of this area. Well, then. Recycling it is. I mean, we shouldn't have to pay for the mistakes of others, right? Are you both in agreement? Recycling takes a unanimous vote from each adult in the household. You never answered. Will anyone know outside of the agency? No, ma'am. It is a private affair. Good. It should be a private decision. No one should be in this position. Agreed. Okay, I just need both of your signatures here. What happens now? Nothing for you to worry about. The stock agency thanks you both for your vote, for your values, for your beliefs. Together, we can defeat the culture of death and build a culture of life. Together, we can make a difference and renew our society so that every human life can be cherished and loved. God bless you both. Amen. Amen. There you are. That was Dana Hall as Ashley, Chris Sosi as Brad, and Padita Lawton as the agent of Stalk Patrol, written by Deborah Cole. Katie, in first impressions, first thoughts? A really important piece of work. Mm. Really important. Um, not just not just in where it because you could very easily say it's very important just where it was written, but it's not. Mm. It really isn't this is a this is a big issue about freedom. Um, that should be heard everywhere. I think it's a. I think it's a really important piece of work. Yeah, I mean, it's, as you say, it's an incredibly important topic to be talking about right now. Um, one thing I noticed in the aftermath of Roe versus Wade was the number of playwrights producing works in various capacities based around um, reproductive freedoms, and it's just been incredible. At the same time, there's always dark satire and social commentary but there are moments where both Brad and Ashley show their their true colours as it were. It's such a stark message on judgment mm. you know there are so many different levels to judge on um, and the most and, and it seems to me to the, the biggest message is don't judge. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> don't judge. What point do you judge and what point do you stop? Yeah. You know how people find themselves in whatever situation they're the ones they're the ones who are in it how can you judge them and how can you judge what they then do because unless you're actually in that situation and it was there was a beautiful justice about suddenly imposing this situation almost on ashley and brad mm, yeah and, and 
oh they then chose to behave <laughs> yes <laughs> it's the the you when you first read it at least the, the first kind of opening section of this agent just turning up and saying to these people you have to take these children in or pay this much to have them adopted you kind of sit there and almost laugh because you just think the premise of them being taken around the country and rehoused and almost forced on other people think oh that wouldn't happen that, that that wouldn't happen but at the same time the events that inspired the piece were events that we didn't think were going to happen <laughs> there's, there's a kind of deliciousness about it mm. it's it's poetic justice that um people who have voted um in this way or that have have um purported to have these very strong views about what should then happen mm. as long as it's not in their backyard yeah. And then suddenly here it is put straight firmly in front of them to deal with. No, exactly. This all, all happens in the United States, but the anger and, and rage against what was decided has spread worldwide and it's impacting people to kind of stand up and do stuff and say this yeah. is not acceptable in whatever way they see fit. Um, when I actually asked uh, Deborah about her inspiration, she said... I was so enraged after the United States Supreme Court decision to reverse Roe versus Wade. My brain was racing with what to do with my feelings besides voting, uh, supporting pro-life candidates and working tirelessly at the local, state and national level to make a difference. So I did what any self-respecting playwright would do. I wrote, I wrote Stalk Patrol. And it was just such a powerful statement to me. The whole text speaks of her anger and frustration mm. throughout. I think it's actually remarkably um well written and remarkably um rounded mm. because it would be very easy to make that, that completely damning in all ones but an, an all one one dimensional and it's not at all it's incredibly rounded mm. the whole um premise of the idea of reproductive rights is a very serious topic but to begin with you do have that almost as i said laughing moment of you have to take these children in or pay thousands of dollars have them rehoused and then at one point it kind of ticks into that exceptionally dark recycling um what? element yeah. um and the fact that these two people are standing there saying oh well that's fine as long as we don't have to think about it and that oh, yeah. in a way is some people's view of the situation as long as you said as long as it's not on our on our doorstep or in our backyard, it's perfectly fine. It's um, it's a bit of an indictment on humanity. Mm. It's, as long as I don't have to know about it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. It's a. Uh, it's it's very 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 powerful. It really is. It is. It's one of the most um, intriguing. I would describe it as an activist piece. It's quite a dark look. Yeah. At, um at humanity in general i do um, and 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 understandably so you know i do wonder if it was being if it was being watched in a in a theater say how many people would have to sort of slightly turn their heads at that particular point one thing we're all really really good about is deluding ourselves mm. um, or what one might be and it really does present you with so who are you how do you what, what do you really think and what would you really do really would you really <laughs> you know it's a it's it's a and you know I go back to what I said right at the beginning 
which is why I think it's such an incredibly important piece because it doesn't just get to the heart of that issue. It, it really cuts through to the listener and says, where do you stand? And are you sure that's where you stand? And as a piece of writing as well, what's always been important to me is writing what you're passionate about and writing about the things that matter to you, which is clearly what Deborah has done here and incredibly well. Um, that you said you could feel the passion and you can feel the anger. And I think that will come across to an audience as well. And it brings hope because for every person that's heard that and questions themselves, um, there is another there is another point of view out there that might be prepared to do something that might be prepared to stand up. Mm. So obviously, as to round off, as it were, what are your final thoughts on the, the piece as a whole? I loved it. I thought it was, I, I love always sounds like a peculiar word, but I loved it. I loved that. I, I loved that she'd written it. Mm. Um, I loved the beautiful way it was written. It was written with, for something so heavy, it was written with a very, very light touch. It's, mm. it, you know, it was very, very light. It was very, it flowed beautifully. The characters were very um, believable, but it was a really brilliant piece. Well, there you go. Glowing recommendations for a piece that packs the power, I suppose is the best phrase to use. Definitely. Um, well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us and expressing your views. It's been an absolute joy to have you. Thank you very much for having me. Lovely to see you. <laughs> see you. So there you have it. And incidentally, if you do want to find out more about Deborah's work, she has over 80 youth short plays available on www.dramanotebook.com. As for me, though, that is the end of another episode, but I do hope you can join me again in a fortnight for another play and another guest. If you've enjoyed the show or indeed the series, please don't forget to give us a follow and a like on Facebook, which can be found just searching Theatrical Shenanigans. In the meantime, though, I've been Rachel Feeney-Williams. This is Theatrical Shenanigans, bringing down the curtain and saying I hope you can join us next time. Theatrical Shenanigans was an RFW Scripts production with music written and produced by Chris Cody.